We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You can follow me at Mike Dugar. You guys already know the rest because I'm verified. Uh, Chris, go ahead. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. As we prepare for the Seahawks to play at the Rams this weekend, we have a special guest on our midweek episode. And Chris, I think we did the math before our last show. Jordan is our most frequented guest uh, on the show. Is that right? Is it her and Ben Baldwin? That's that's what it is. I think is our is our is our top two there. We have from the Athletic LA. We have Jordan Rodriguez. Jordan, what up? I did not know that deep analytics cut, <laughs> and I am so happy about that. Oh my gosh! I'm pretty sure because you were on when you were in Charlotte with the Observer, yeah. then on again when we were uh, in Charlotte covering for the Athletic, and then again this off season we did our NFC West preview with every other beat writer, and then. Now, right? That's, yep. that's at least I think yeah, four. That works. Yeah, I've seen a lot of the Seahawks. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, the Panthers were their like unofficial divisional rival for yeah all of camps. Fun games. Yeah, no, those were those were great. Well, for some of those weren't great for the Panthers, but yeah, for the most part, right. uh, pr- pretty good. Um, we always like to start the show off with how, what other teams are doing social justice wise and. I read a little bit about Robert Woods and what he is doing in regards to voting and getting people out to go out to vote. As everyone knows, Joe Biden won. Can you talk about what Robert Woods' plan and how it worked out for him? Yeah, so Robert Woods was really one of the leaders in the locker room in terms of mobilizing players to get people registered to vote and um, getting out into communities. The Rams partnered with Rock to Vote and took buses around to get people registered, obviously, in a safe way um, in these COVID times. And then they, you know, Robert was also planning on doing um, rideshare services to polling places for people who couldn't necessarily, who didn't have a car or who couldn't necessarily, um, you know, afford the gas money in LA at the moment or, or rely on public transportation to get to their polling places. But unfortunately, um, Prop 22 in Los Angeles made that impossible for him to do. And he only, you know, was 
informed about that at the at the last minute. So he was bummed about that, but he helmed up a lot of other voter registration efforts, was someone who was really vocal about getting everybody in the Rams organization registered to vote um, and out, you know, either getting their ballots and checking on teammates, making sure they got their ballots in, turned in early, and then um, and then also making sure that, that people were, were getting registered. And, and something that I think is really cool that Robert – has has helmed uh, alongside some of the other players on the leadership council is he has been um really very vocal about the need to work with grassroots activists um on a local level in los angeles and not just sort of fall into step with whatever the nfl is doing because as we know the nfl just kind of drags its feet and then kind of proposes these things that are um are not solutions at times and and so you know robert has been really someone who has been very vocal about working with grassroots activists and grassroots organizers in um, implementing change on, on, on his level where he can. And I think that's really admirable of him. Just in general, from your perspective, what was it just like, you know, covering all the efforts that the, the Rams did? Uh, just, you know, every team was doing something differently. There was pushback from some teams. Some teams felt more of an obligation based on where they were, like the Vikings, for example, being in the city where George Floyd was killed. Just kind of what was your overall vibe of just covering the Rams this summer? You know, your first year covering the team in like a very tumultuous off season for everyone. Yeah, you know, and if I could just like take my beat writer hat off for a second, I would say that it was very inspiring as a person. And it was something where Los Angeles has obviously um, a lot of history with systemic injustice and police brutality. And so for the Rams, not just their players, but it, it sort of trickled upward through the organization itself. You know, Kevin Demoff, the C, the COO, um, gave staffers every Friday off. That you know, the team already has Tuesdays off, but he gave staffers every Friday off through the spring um, and incentivized them um, in terms of show me your receipts for supporting a black-owned business or bookstore, and um, I will repay you for those costs and things like that. That. I, you know, they they were very much inspired by the the want the want from their players to act and to take the grief and the rage and frustration and, and anxiety that they felt and turn it into tangible solution. And you know, just from me, obviously, we can't be in locker rooms having these conversations, and we can't um, be, you know, on the ground, it, you know, in these spaces where these players are having these conversations and so for me even from you know through a zoom screen it was very very inspiring to hear these guys talk about it and and be supported as a complete group not a couple of players wanting to go and do this and everyone else kind of staying silent but everybody on that roster was was totally bought into it and I, I thought that was really cool wow jordan can we have you put your beat writer back on a uh, hat real yes, quick. It's yeah. Back on, yes. Okay. We appreciate it. Just wanted to pivot. Just want to make sure you had on the right hat for our uh, next couple <laughs> next couple of questions. My favorite question to ask everyone. I'm gonna ask this to you. Is Jared Goff good? I think you asked me this even when I didn't cover the Rams. <laughs> Honestly. Now now that I'm having a little bit of, of deja vu, um, I I'm realizing that I think you might have asked me this before. But and I think my answer will be the same, but um, that is a moving uh, goalpost, I think, from week to week. And there are a lot of things that Jared Goff has at his advantage. And one of those being he's 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 on a great roster. 
He's got every, not just every type of weapon a quarterback could want, but stylistically, um, they all complement each other in very, very good ways. And obviously that's roster building and Sean McVay scheming and all, and all of that. I think that what I need to see from him on a more sustainable and consistent level through this season, especially after sort of a wake up call last season is, um, is improving on, on small details, such as taking care of the football, um, taking sacks where you need to take them, understanding and seeing when your route concepts start to unfold, especially when you're under pressure, finding those quick outlets with accurate throws. Um, you know, earlier in the year, he was stepping up into the pocket really well. He was operating in, and moving the pocket around really well. Obviously, they love to do a lot of those boot protections for him. When that gets taken away, how is he responding? You know, those kinds of things I need to see on a more sustainable level. And I think that question is just going to keep coming up year over year because, it, it, you know, until we see him put five, six, seven games in a row together where he's doing all of those things that I just mentioned, that's going to continue to be a question. You know, whether he's good or not, it's like, I don't know if other people care as much as I do. I just think it's a fun question. But he is, I think everyone can agree, in the category of guys where if everything is good around him, the coach, the weapons, the O-line, you know, Kirk Cousins in there, Jimmy G, Matt Ryan, there's like, those those guys. Like, if everything's mm-hmm. right, they're good. And like you said, everything pretty much is right. Running the ball well, defense good, coach is good, O-line's better, receivers are good, like, what are some of the other specific reasons that have held him back from being good, you know, when everything else is also good around him? I'd like to see him ad-lib a little bit more. And I think that um, that's such a weird thing to say, right? Because you don't want your quarterback to wing it, right? Well, at least not but, that one. Right, yeah. Well, in, and in some cases, like, you know, covering Cam Newton, you, you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Cam's winging it. Like, it, in those moments where he the game is on his shoulders, and, on, and Russell Wilson, I think, also – does a great job of, of gaming and, and really just, um, you know, going all out in, in certain scenarios. Well, there's maybe one play this year that really, really fired up Jared Goff's entire offense. And, and you saw a, a tangible response from the players around him. And it was actually when they were losing and mounting a comeback effort against the Buffalo Bills. And Jared Goff ha- was under enormous pressure and uh, escaped one guy and then stepped up into the pocket and collapsed underneath the arms of two other people but got the throw off, and it was like a 40-yard pass downfield to Robert Woods. And that is what I think the, his, you know, this team needs to see more of from him in, in order to electrify such an effort. Um, it's it's one thing to be consistent. I need to see more consistency from him, for sure, in terms of taking care of the football, not forcing throws, seeing your outlets, those types of things. But in terms of he's, he's very even keel, and in terms of being the electricity within an offense, I think that's something that means he would be taking a step forward because especially in these very razor-thin margins within the NFC West, you need to have a guy who is is – a bolt of electricity through sort of the veins of your, of your offense at times. And in that moment you saw it and they, you know, they started, they started, they, they mounted a comeback. They lost in the last play of the game and it was incredible. It's still their best game of the season, even though they lost, which is so weird to say, but you know, those, that's the kind of thing that I need to see more of. We all know that the Seahawks secondary is not playing up to the expectations that they thought they would be at midway through the season. 
And if you saw any highlights of the Buffalo and Seahawks game, you got the idea that Josh Allen was slanging the rock, and I mean that literally. Do you think Sean McVay will trust in golf to throw 35-plus times? He did once against the Niners, but, of course, they lost that game. What do you think McVay's mindset will be going in after what he saw Josh Allen do to the Seahawks' defense? Yeah, I think he's excited. I think um, he, he'd like to he'd like to get those throws off. And Jared Goff threw and shouldn't have been throwing this often, even in a, even in a deficit two weeks ago against the Dolphins, but still threw 61 times in that Yikes. game. So I don't, I don't imagine they will avoid him throwing the ball. Um, on the other hand, something that they have really struggled with is maintaining run establishment. And I know this is like, I'm going to sound like a dinosaur, but yes, they need to establish the run in this offense because their run, their run plays and their pass plays look exactly the same in terms of the, the design. And so it's, it's the responsibility of, of the quarterback to check into one of those plays. And, and my understanding and impression was that Jared was not necessarily doing that on a consistent enough basis in that loss two weeks ago. And so what you need to do is, um, that he doesn't he doesn't operate as well if, if the run game is not going the Rams offense in terms of the play actions that they like to set up the motions um, even just having a running back line up in the backfield and then catch a pass for God's sake like those things don't work if if they're not um, running the ball on a consistent level and they really it's a very um, specific, and very tangible shift in their consistency and cohesiveness when they're able to run the ball well. So I, I think that they're obviously going to try to do that, but I think they are interested in the amount of times and, and specifically in, in the amount of blitzes that that Seahawks sec, uh, secondary, um, you know, that sort of trusted that Seahawks secondary. I think that they they see what happened to them in the, in the Miami game with those cover zeros and, and all of those things that really gave Goff hell. Um, and I think they're almost like, okay, well, if a team tries it against us again, it could be the Seahawks considering their numbers against Josh Allen. And if they try it again, will we be ready to try to beat it this time? And, and, and in that way, I think they might be excited um, to go against a, sec- a secondary in that regard. But I honestly also know that they, they can't, they really, really cannot overlook <laughs> any facet of this team. Even, even with the numbers the defense, Seahawks defense is allowing, definitely cannot look overlook any facet of it i read your story with rich hammond where the rams are going right and wrong through eight games position by position and i saw this really wild i don't know i maybe it is it is a little wild considering it hasn't been done since 2008 but jared goff he wants to have three receivers go over a thousand yards and in, <laughs> and in 2008 that was larry fitzgerald anquan Bowden, and steve breston the closest thing to it was last season with keenan allen who had 1,000, just a, just one yard shy of 1,200 yards. Austin Eckler, who was seven yards shy of 1,000, and Mike Williams had 1,001. Is that goal really something that Jared believes that he can get done with his receiving court? I think he believes it, but I will say this. At one point in my life, I also, you know, wanted to marry Ryan Gosling. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't. I think we're in the same scenario here. <laughs> so I, you know, and, and that's, you know, I, I, I know I sound mean, but, but really it's the way that this system is designed. I absolutely think that it's more than feasible for two, at least two guys to go over a thousand. 
Um, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are probably the favorites there because they're using Tyler Higby as an inline blocker more often than not because um, teams are pressuring them differently this uh, at the beginning of this year than they were at the end of last. So um, that kind of removes Tyler Higby from candidacy. I think what they hoped was that Josh Reynolds would emerge as more of a, a deep threat than he has. And, and at times he's been very good. But again, the consistency has not been there, not just in the execution, but in the scheme as well. And I honestly kind of hope that one of those guys would be a running back. I think Cam Akers working in space in the passing game is just such an underutilized um, phenom in, in this Rams offense. And I know it drives fantasy football people crazy. That's the number one question I get every single week is about Cam Akers. And I, I think it, if they would have schemed, if they, if they would have come out of the gate scheming in that way, then that that maybe could have been possible with the way that Sean McVay likes to distribute the football and the amount of times, again, we see Jared Goff passing. The problem is he is not completing those passes. (laughs) So so there we go. (laughs) No, great answer. And then following up, you did mention Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And we'll get more into this when we do our over and under. But do you think this is a week where Robert Woods – He gets into the conversation where, you know what, it is a possibility that Jared Goff will have two wide receivers with over 1,000 receiving yards. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I think so. I think Robert Woods and Cooper Cup... Um, you know, there, there's been just this kind of weird vibe since the, the second week or third week of the season where they've just been a little out of sync. And in, in parts, that's how defenses have played them, but also in parts that the connection with Jared, and especially when, when Jared is under heavier pressure, has just been off. A couple of really rare drops from those receivers that we don't usually see. Robert Woods is, I think, such a veteran know-how guy in terms of what's not right? How do I fix it? Okay, now I'm about my business again. And and I think that the second half of the season, you really will start to see those two specifically lock in. I think this game, and we talked about the secondary, I'd like to see Robert Woods get back to those catch and run plays that he does so well and go over the middle in the way that he does so well, better than anybody else in the league. And And I think that those types of things, if you can get back to your fundamentals of what works for you as a receiver, I think that, yes, he can absolutely be back in that conversation. Um, you know, it surprises me on days when I don't see Robert Woods go over 100 yards because he's just so steady. And and 
you know, you know that 85 of those are going to be yak yards too. So it's like, you know, you, you just know you can put him anywhere and, and try to scheme him up and he'll have success. It's just, you got to get the ball to him. And, uh, and maybe if you need more blocking help, get it, get another guy on there. Not Robert. <laughs> well, as a fantasy football owner of Robert Woods and Daryl Henderson, um, I would definitely like everyone to go over a thousand yards on this Rams team. <laughs> you know, for the, for the most part, when you said about the running backs catching passes, I'm like, yes, I need Henderson to start catching some passes, but I know no one cares about my fantasy team. That's okay. Um, Tupac cares if nobody else cares. Uh, <laughs> one, Pete Carroll really admires Sean McVay. And one of the things that he really admires about Sean is that he he knows who he is philosophically and really sticks to that in his team. You see that in his teams. But I don't personally feel that this year. And I think kind of reading some of your stuff, it's one of those questions about the Rams. Like, do they actually have an identity? Well, I, I guess I'll ask that first. Do they? And if not, why not? Yeah, I think it's you're you're watching a team that on its offense is at different points of evolution from the coaching staff and throughout the the offensive roster. These are people at at various stages within their evolution process. And with Sean, I think he's exiting sort of that initial like wonderkind phase and and really hammering in now on who he wants to be long term in this league and, and what he needs to implement the consistencies he needs to implement. And part of that is other teams figuring you out, right? Part of that is other teams establishing blueprints against you that work when, when, you know, your opponents on down the line start to use it. I remember, you know, when Bill Belichick and, and, uh, uh, Brian Flores gave him fits in the Super Bowl with a, with that six, one front, almost every team played a six, one against them. Um, in, in 2019 and and it really gave them issues well okay so now they know how to counter the 6-1 right but then now people are going cover zero blitz on them and giving them fits right so now how do you counter that and so it, it's one of those things where Sean McVay I think is learning about who he wants to be long term and part of that comes from you now have to begin you have a target on your back and now you have to begin to adjust more quickly and also bring your players along in those adjustments more quickly in terms of um, bringing in guys who, who can do that with you. And, and I really think this offense, the way that he has designed it, it's, it's um, a lot of, and it's sort of funny to say simple because it's, you know, it's very smart football, but it's simple concepts designed very well. And then obviously getting a lot of these motions that disguise different things. That's never going to stop working. Right. But adjusting when you aren't executing or when your quarterback is, is missing throws or your receivers are dropping passes or, or you are not ski or you are not sort of calling um, in the cadence that you're comfortable with, or you're coaching for the other coach and not for your players, you know, those types of things, those are, are, what he's working through right now in terms of his own self-scout and his own evolution and then also bringing his players along with him um, is the key. And so you're, you're kind of every week you're seeing this um, non-identity, I guess, because it, it's almost like people as, as humans do evolving at, at different rates from each other. And I, I just think it's, first of all, from an outside perspective, it's a fascinating character study, but on an inside perspective, I'm sure it's like, okay, how can we just, get on the same page and get better um, week over week and be more consistent. I don't. I need to go look up if uh, Pete Carroll and Brian Flores are like cool, if they've ever talked, if they've, they've <laughs> had lunch, because he should give him a call. Because <laughs> Pete Carroll's yeah. like the only coach who ain't figured out. I, mean, I guess other coaches haven't figured out McVay either, but like Brian Flores, 
seems to have it. Like, I don't know if you watched any of that Dolphins game, Chris. Like, it was uh, Dolphins and Rams. The Rams, yeah. yeah. No, that was. I was like, man, Jared Goff never looks like that <laughs> against the Seahawks. It's uh, no, it's it's really crazy. I want to jump to the de- defensive side of the ball real quick. There's not many ways. We're running out of ways really to talk about. How good Aaron Donald is, I'm under the impression he's the best player in football and has a real good argument by the end of his career to be the best ever. Just mm-hmm. how many times a game does he do something that just blows your mind? I love play- I love covering a player like Aaron Donald, and I kind of felt the same way when I covered Cam, too, because you could just be having a normal day, right? You'll just have a normal day. You're sitting there up in the press box, and you're sipping on your coffee, and you're just, like, doing your thing. And all of a sudden, your brain explodes. And it's just like, it's it's just such a fun experience as a, as a writer because you just never know. You could be having the most regular day, and all of a sudden, you get to see something unprecedented and, and extremely cool. And that's, that's what covering Aaron Donald is like. I, my first day of Rams practice this summer, I was panning through defensive tackle drills at, with my little iPhone camera. And I got to Aaron, they got to Aaron Donald and he ran through um, those sidestep drills, the lateral drills where you go over the mat and he moved, I was panning and he moved too fast for me to keep up with for my camera pan. So I was like, all right, well, this is the real deal here. <laughs> like this is, this is unlike some, a player that I have covered and, and experienced and, and he is, um, I think something special for, I think the history of this league as well. So it does not get old, guys. Um, you're right. I have run out of adjectives, um, and it's only been nine weeks. So um, I did ask Sean McVay to make up a word that described him, and he just made noises. So that's <laughs> where we're at right now. You know, I was um, shout out to the homie Charles McDonald. He covers the uh, the Jets for the New York Daily News. He was going over film of the Dolphins and uh, Rams game, and he screenshotted a clip. I don't know if you saw this, Jordan. He tweeted it. Is four Dolphins blocking Aaron Donald (laughs) on one play? I don't even know what the result of the play was, but I was like, that is insane. Four people, Chris, four people on one guy. I need to go back and look if this play worked. Or, Jordan, do you know if this play actually worked? Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, Well, it it did because enough people were occupied. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that is. You know what? I always look at stuff like that, and I, I saw that. Tweet Charles just just some amazing stuff, but you know I, I saw that tweet and I was like, what do you tell your family when that happens? To you? <laughs> like, <laughs> or like when he tweeted, remember you guys remember? I don't know if you saw this the Cowboys game. I know this this clip went viral, but they left poor I don't know who decided this, but they left poor Zeke Elliott in pass protection as the one stop gap between Dak and and Aaron Donald, and at one point. Aaron Donald picked up Ezekiel Elliott and threw him into Dak Prescott, oh and that God. counted as a sack. Oh, yeah. Like, that, that was uh, week one, right? Wasn't that week one? Yeah, that week Sunday one, night game? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, man. it's just stuff like that. I mean, how do you even describe that? I'm not a good enough sports writer to describe <laughs> that. <laughs> that is that's insane. I want to stick with the defensive side of the ball, and I want to talk about the new defensive coordinator in Brandon Staley and what he's been able to do. How do you think he's handled this role? I mean, his team is ranked second against the pass. Second on points allowed and sixth against the run. Yeah, I mean, you can't really start much better than that. I do think there's a little bit of a curve based on who they played. So this upcoming week will absolutely be the toughest test of, of this defense so far. But it's it's been really fascinating. I think one of the big things that do make me believe in the sustainable success of this defense is you can see conceptually 
where it is. Sometimes you have superstar players like they do in Aaron Donald and on the back end in Jalen Ramsey. And superstar players can cover up an inability to grasp conceptual football from the rest of the roster. You know the stars are going to get it. But from the rest of the roster, those guys can sometimes cover up where the problem areas are. Um, That's not really the case here. Conceptually, in terms of design and scheme, and then how quickly it rotates through that secondary, how much they rotate up front, how often they sub-package, and um, how how fast they move is, is something that I think is could be very special several weeks from now if, if they continue at this pace. And Brandon Staley, as you know, he's a son of a teacher and really believes in educating and um, is is just really really bright. I think you know it's a you know it's something solid, and he's settled in comfortably when you already have people who are extremely worried about him getting a head coaching job um, and leaving the team after a year. And so I think while I don't necessarily think that's going to happen with a defensive coach in his first after his first year as an NFL coordinator. I also think that um, that's a very high compliment in terms of how he has coached and 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 not only scheme schemed this unit and developed this unit with only two weeks to really install a brand new defense, but also the ways that he's scheming up his best players in Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Jalen, you're going to see in the slot as well as on the outside, and um, they they basically said. We have one of the great, one of the best corners in the league. So why would we just keep him on the outside and are just moving him around everywhere like he was in college? And it's just really, um, it's been really interesting to watch. So doing those things, not just getting your scheme in place, but also scheming to the best ability of your players. I think those are weirdly things we don't always see in the National Football League, but they happen. And so now um, it, it, it's something exciting to watch for sure. This may be the first time in my years as a sports writer where I've ever been perhaps more hype for what we see the day after the game because that's probably when we'll get like the mic'd up audio of DK Metcalf or Jalen right. Ramsey, one of the two. I don't know. The, hopefully the mic'd up version will probably come out. I don't know if they're going to be mic'd up, but if they are, I mean, who's covering this game? Is Fox? Fox is tripping or the NFL's tripping if they don't mic these two dudes up. I am very, very excited for what we get Monday morning from both of them. Jordan, please tell me you are just as hype as I am for that mic'd up audio we're hopefully going to get next week. Oh my gosh, it's like we don't get any, like this, it's like Christmas, you know? This is why people are putting their trees up early, actually, <laughs> is in, in advance of this matchup. <laughs> yeah, I think, because I, I, DK, I don't know if people are, I mean, people are following now because he's like, you know, the stud that he is, but he's becoming quite the trash talker. Cause he's not just like, it's not like Sherm. Sherm was like, you know, you got hands like a snake or, you know, he'll get in your head. DK, like remember the dude just ran into him with the Niners and he's like, yeah, I'm here. And DK's like, what does that mean? <laughs> it's like, go, go cover somebody. And it contrasts really well with Jalen Ramsey, who would just be like, dude, you suck. But it's like that. Yeah, you can't, yeah. you can't tell DK he sucks. Right. Because then he'll catch a, he'll catch a bomb on you. Like Jordan, please. If we can, we can collaborate on that. If I can, I can, big up the matchup with DK on Zoom, you can maybe big it up with Jalen because, like, I want this to be the greatest the greatest mic'd-up audio we've ever had. I know. I really – we talked to Jalen on Fridays, and I definitely plan on asking him about DK because – for this reason because I think it could be so interesting and such a compelling matchup. I will tell you in advance, though, after that big article came out about Jalen and then Josh Allen blew him up, um, you know – he has not been uh, he has not been open to publicly roasting people and 
kind of sad about that, honestly. <laughs> I, I like, you know, it's I, I don't have an issue with it. So I just, you know, he's kind of like been a little bit more hesitant uh, to go on these like scorched earth public roastings of other players. So, but I think in, you know, during the game, oh my gosh, you were... I need whoever is running this broadcast to, to get a mic on both those guys. How do you think the matchup will go on the field? Just in terms of, you know, the production, not the trash talk. You know, normally I would say, um, oh, that's so tough. Because this will be his toughest one that he's had this year. I, I think that um, Golden Tate was, was actually tough for him because it was his, his second game in the slot. And obviously for other reasons, but he was really, you know, it was, it was, it was going to, it was one that was really important to him, but this is going to be, I think schematically his toughest one. And then, and especially with the things that Russell Wilson can do, they haven't really played a quarterback who is able to extend the plays that in, in the same way that Russell Wilson is able to do with such consistency. And so this will be really tough, not just in terms of where he's got to keep his eyes, but also, body position DK is I think when you see him and and you can definitely attest to this better than I can but when you see him you have a hard time understanding how fast he really is so you really once he gets going you really are like oh shoot (laughs) you know so I think that there's going to be a lot of really physical physical play um I can't I I don't know if I could give you a a straight-up prediction I just know it's going to be fun Oh, yeah. No, that's all we really need. I just need fun. I don't really need one guy to get the better of, of the other. And I need fun and some good audio after, and I'll, and I'll be straight. You know what else is going to be fun? Seeing what Cooper Cup and Robert Woods have in store for the Seahawks secondary. And I told you I'd bring it back up again, as I mentioned it earlier. And here we are with an over-under. Now, week one, we had over-under between Julio and Calvin Ridley going over, I think I said, 240-something, 40 and a half yards, and they shattered that. And actually, three receivers totaled 401 receiving yards for just three receivers. Yeah, it was, I mean, a, bad that, day. That's it was a bad day. Really bad day. My question to you is, Jordan, over or under 165 and a half yards between Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Are you going to take the over or are you going to go under? You mean each or combined? Combined. Oh, over. Is that mean? <laughs> no, it's, I mean, fun. it's fair. I mean, shoot. I, but I think a lot of them will come after the catch, honestly. <laughs> I really do think a lot. Because that's just, I think that that's, I mean, that's just how they operate. So, um, air yards under. No, 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 you're Yard, fine. Total, total yards over. <laughs> we're going we're going total. I'm not worried about the air yards or if they run a drag. Well, it's, and in it's, case, it's in case Ben Baldwin's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get the next-gen shout-out in there. I love it. Uh, before before we get to the final segment, I need everyone, I know Jordan hinted at a little bit, the other things that motivated uh, Jalen Ramsey in the Golden Tate matchup. Anyone want to Google those? It's a fun little little uh, rabbit hole you fall into because I had forgot Chris until I I think you hit me about it or some maybe, other maybe you so should it, forget because poor Golden Tate no it's uh, yeah no it's uh man yeah like I said quite the rabbit hole you fall into there but uh uh without further ado let's get into our final segment of the show a prediction Jordan who you got in Seahawks versus Rams this Sunday oh that's so tough I I actually think you know Sean McVay kind of really likes playing Pete Carroll um, so I think I'm going to give Sean this one coming off of by obviously getting all of this rest. Uh, you know, I think this defense will stand up to the challenge. And so I, I think I'm going to go with the Rams on this one. Fun fact. You are our first reporter to pick against the Seahawks. Everyone. Really? Yeah. Everyone so far has picked the Seahawks. 
Wow. They look so strong. I mean, how could you not? They look really, really good. And then you look at the Seahawks secondary, and you're like, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with the <laughs> Well, actually, you know what? I just say that it makes sense. If you look at the history of the matchup, like Jordan said, Sean McVay is sitting there just like drinking whiskey, relaxing, feet up, watching that Bills game like, yo, we're going to put up 600 yards <laughs> <laughs> on these dudes on Sunday. And maybe still lose because they've lost to them uh, before. Um, but – Thank you guys for listening to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Jordan, thank you for being our number one guest, uh, both in terms of quality and quantity. We appreciate you. If you're listening to the show right now, please go check out all of Jordan's work on The Athletic. It's great stuff. Give her a follow on Twitter. Jordan, are you verified on Twitter? I am, but I feel like this is an inside joke that I don't get. <laughs> oh, I just wanted to – what we like to do is I like to, to, to count up all of the people who we have on the program who are verified. So I'm one. And then you'd be two, and unfortunately, Chris is not three. That's, that's, <laughs> but it's okay. We're gonna. Chris, we're gonna don't let him do that. Come on. There's not much I can do. You know, I'm patiently waiting until they open up the verification process, and then I'll put my bid in and become verified. Until then, I'm just waiting. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Patience is a virtue. We'll get you there one day, Chris. Again, shout out to Jordan for joining us on the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. We will catch you guys Sunday night after the game. We're out. Like right now You see I don't have to drive me If you say that for your mama Maybe you should smoke some And try the marijuana I was never you good The vibe was straight Showed you a couple of things And they finished change I treated you right Everything was a gift From a time to your bag And a color on your lip Yeah, you Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.